Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Tootsie Rolls. Yes, which, in my opinion, a surprising number of you have requested. <laughs> out the history is fascinating and the science is fascinating i just have never put much thought into one shame on me um and i'm sorry to say tootsie roll was always a letdown in, in the halloween candy hall oh sure. it wasn't like the bottom of the barrel yeah but that was one i was ready to trade pretty quickly pretty quick i was never excited to see a tootsie roll and even back then before i had my um false tooth I, I just felt like it was so difficult to chew and like my teeth were gonna actually fall out from eating them <laughs> oh, <no>. so <laughs> uh I never had that kind of fear surrounding it I um back before they were packaged in like sealed mm. wrappers I was never allowed to eat the Tootsie Rolls that I got in my Halloween candy because someone oh, really? could have tampered with them because it was oh, just the little wax man. paper uh-huh twist and so so it was disappointing in that yeah. way but uh yeah I I never 
I never got excited about a chocolate Tootsie Roll particularly, but those fruit flavored shoes and the vanilla ones, super into those, super into them. <laughs> Love them. I'm not sure I ever tried. I think I was like, you know what? I'm not a big fan of this chocolate one. That's enough for me. I don't think I ever <laughs> ventured out. I didn't even know that was a thing. I knew like the Tootsie Roll Pops had the different flavors, but. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the, the chews themselves uh, do come in uh, different flavors. And yeah, I was psyched about those. Uh, but I, but I've always been a taffy fan. Like anything right. chewy is some of my favorite candy. So yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, that was one of the, when someone wrote in and requested this topic, they asked, because we had just done the saltwater taffy episode, what is the difference between Tootsie Rolls and taffy? I was like, mm, we'll have to do an episode. <laughs> well, we have indeed gotten to the bottom of that, or rather other humans have, and, you know, we, we read about it on the internet. Yes. We report on it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the best we can. <laughs> but I suppose this brings us to our question. Yeah. <laughs> Tootsie Rolls. What are they? Well, uh, Tootsie Rolls are a brand of candy that's a sort of chocolate-flavored taffy chew. Kind of like if Play-Doh were more edible. And flavored (laughs) with cocoa. I like the qualifier of more. (laughs) More. Well, you know, that's one of the things about Play-Doh is that it's, 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 you know, meant for children of an age that if they put it in their mouths and eat it, then it's fine. It's not going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I feel like you're being very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will say, though, uh, most Play-Doh is not flavored with cocoa, which uh, Tootsie Rolls are. So That's probably for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. <laughs> Tootsie Rolls come in various sizes from kind of like a little like finger joint sized pieces called midges. Midges? Midges, I guess. Yeah, um, and, and those come in, yeah, that twist of wax paper to longer chews and wax paper to uh, thicker bars that come in wrappers. And yes, they also come in vanilla and fruit varieties, um, cherry, lemon, orange, and lime. And the candy is also manufactured into the center of hard lollipops in a bunch of flavors. Uh, grape, raspberry, blue raspberry, caramel, cherry, chocolate, orange, strawberry, vanilla, and green apple. And there are varieties with fruit chews in the middle as well. Uh, Blue raisin cherry, strawberry and lemon, wild apple berry, wild blackberry, wild blueberry, wild cherry berry, and wild mango berry. <laughs> and I do have to admit that I, I am unsure what makes all of them so wild. I have my suspicions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do they just mean slightly sour? I can't, I haven't had them. I can't tell you. Um, uh, the base candy, though, um, the, the, the Tootsie Roll is uh, made from sugar, corn syrup, skim milk, uh, partially hydrogenated soybean oil, and cocoa and other flavorings. And apparently, one of those other flavorings is, is a hint of orange. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, you cook all that stuff down until the sugar hits the right sticky consistency. Um, then uh, pull it to incorporate tiny air bubbles that that make it fluffy like a taffy. Um, then cook it again, like bake it at a low temperature for a couple hours to firm it up and make it chewier. Um, give it that give it that slightly firmer texture. Then yeah, you roll it out, trim it to size, wrap them up, and you got tootsie rolls. 
There you go. Mm -hmm. The company that makes them, Tootsie Roll Industries, has (laughs) this factory in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that's apparently like famously closed off and secretive. Like its windows are all blacked out. The only indication of what the building holds are these like small signs at the doors that look like Tootsie Roll wrappers. <laughs> I mean, and and the scent, I guess, is another tip off. But the company in general is apparently known in the industry for being super closed off. Like despite it being publicly traded, they don't do quarterly earnings calls. They issue their earnings reports only via crookedly scanned PDFs. (laughs) Who's running this outfit? (laughs) Market analysts stopped covering them in 2011 because they couldn't get any dang information about the company. Oh, my gosh. They will not talk to journalists and they do not do tours. You think there's like a big owl up in there? You think is somebody... (laughs) An owl, Mr. (laughs) Owl, is actually behind the Mr. Owl Twitter? I, you know, I I literally could not tell you. This is not... No one can. No one can. Mr. Owl Mm. is the Willy Wonka of the real world. That's true. And they don't have some mysterious secret ingredient. This feels very like that Twilight Zone episode where they're like, to serve man. (laughs) And it's a, they think it's like, you know, to help out, but then it turns out it's a cookbook. Is yeah. there something like that going on here? See, Tissy Roll Industries, your secretiveness is only fueling my horror movie-fueled mind. <laughs> so. So you better let us take a tour of your Tootsie Roll factory. Yes, or else you're going to have savor on your case, and you don't want that. <laughs> don't want that. We will write confusing Stories. <laughs> Puns <laughs> will haunt your dreams. No. <laughs> Puns already haunt my dreams. <laughs> it's too late for us, Lauren, but uh, Tootsie Roll Industries, you have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure nothing nefarious is going on. I think they just are trying to make candy. Um, they do also <laughs> own brands like Charleston Chew, Sugar Babies and Sugar Daddies, uh, Dots, Junior Mints, Andy's Mints. Nickel Nip, Double Bubble, and Charms Blow Pops. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> what about the nutrition? Uh, Tootsie Rolls are low in fat compared with chocolate, um, but, you know, they're still, they're mostly sugar. Hmm. They're, they're a treat. <laughs> Treats are nice. Treats are nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make them at home. Um, copycat recipes abound, but generally involve, uh, yeah, cooking up chocolate, corn syrup, powdered sugar, powdered milk, butter, and vanilla, then, uh, yeah, kneading it, rolling it out, and cutting it into pieces. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. It does <laughs> sound like a lot of work. I I mean, I, I feel like it would probably be something that would be good to help keep kids occupied. Oh, If yeah. you have experience with this, write in and let us know, yes. especially if it was a hilarious failure. <laughs> Yes, we love hilarious <laughs> failures and then reading about them on the show and laughing at your demise. Um, and no, 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 no. I have plenty of hilarious failures of my own. Oh, yes, yes. I have made uh, Reese's Cups before. Ooh, um, yeah? Yeah, it wasn't hard necessarily, but it was kind of, um, I don't know what the word, it was just tedious, I guess. It, it didn't, it wasn't hard, but it wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I once made a red velvet cake totally from scratch that took me all day and came out exactly as fine as a cake from Publix. And I was like, right. well, that's that's the last time I'm ever doing that. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> uh, we do have some numbers for you. We do. According to Tootsie Roll Industries, they churn out 64 million miniature Tootsie Rolls a day. That's 44,000 per minute, 740 per second. Oof. And the company does about $500 million a year in sales. And I loved this. The website has an entire section on how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, which probably a lot of you remember from those commercials, um, with facts like it depends on a variety of factors, such as the size of your mouth, the amount of saliva, <laughs> etc. Basically, the world may never know. Oh, my goodness. Or, since 1970, we have received more than 20,000 letters from children around the world who believe they have solved the mystery behind how many licks it takes to get to the center <laughs> of a Tootsie Pop. Or, estimates from children seem to run from a low of 100 licks to a high of 5,800 licks, with most of them ranging from 600 to 800 licks. Now that I know they're so secretive, Lauren, I don't know about all this. They are being a little cagey. And... <laughs> Some academics noticed and tried to get to the bottom of it, too. Yeah. And so the website has featured a handful of these scientific studies that tried to get to the bottom of this question. One from Purdue, where researchers created a, uh, quote, licking machine uh, <laughs> modeled after the human tongue <laughs> that took 364 licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. 20 volunteers undertook the challenge with an average of 252 licks. So they had like the human kind of component average and then this licking machine <laughs> average. Um, another study from the University of Michigan used a licking machine and found that it took 411 <laughs> licks. <laughs> Bellarmine University or Bellarmine um, collected findings from 130 participants, categorizing them by gender, time, and Tootsie Pop color. Grape averaged the most and took the longest, for instance. Uh, all in all, they found the average was 175 licks in a little over 14 minutes, which is lower than the rest. Hmm. Yeah. Some mathematicians put the number much higher at 1,000 licks, though the formula they used for the candy, because it wasn't a Tootsie Roll, I think, uh, it was unspecified, and they didn't share a formula for their findings, so they're kind of like a footnote. On the huh. website. Yeah. 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 I don't want to call you out or give you any shade. I don't know. I'm just saying what I saw. Um, uh, these are just some of the studies. There are more. Yeah. Uh, a shocking to me number of scientifically rigorous looks into the Tootsie Roll Pop. So, <laughs> however, I, I will say that. Um, some of the uh, uh, disparate numbers that we're seeing here might be because the company has reduced the thickness of the lollipop layer over the years due to consumer feedback about wanting wanting to get to the Tootsie Roll Center faster. Just like Mr. Owl. Just like Mr. Owl. Maybe he was right all along. Mm -hmm. One, two, three. <laughs> if I could do a mic drop, I would. <laughs> Shall not. <laughs> <laughs> no, super producer Andrew would be very mad at you. He would, but we're in the virtual studio right now. I guess he has a lot of blackmail material, maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Okay, moving on. Uh, We do have a lot of history for you. We do. uh, But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us. To crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all-natural bitters, so Dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. 
even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No Me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, the story of the Tootsie Roll most often begins with Austrian candy maker Leo Hirschfeld, or Hirschfeld, opening a candy shop in New York City in 1896. Um, Hirschfeld, or Feld, there's confusion about the name. It's listed mm-hmm. differently in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people say Hirschfeld, even though I, I believe it was Hirschfeld. But I don't know. Um arrived in New York in 1884 with little money to his name. He was part of a wave of immigration of Jewish people from Eastern Europe and Russia who had been experiencing poverty and persecution in their homelands. Um, if you've seen the movie An American Tale, you know, with the, the Bible mouse oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that, that that's about this. Uh, I mean, not this guy, but... <laughs> it's like, I don't remember any Tootsie Rolls in that movie that it's a- <laughs> scared me very much as a child. <laughs> Oh, yeah, those cats were terrifying. Right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It was about this wave of immigration, yes. Uh, some of those immigrants uh, who were not mice, who were human people, had worked in sugar beet farming and sugar processing back home and thus uh, entered the candy industry when they came to America. And Hirschfeld came from a family of candy makers in Austria. He was able to open a candy shop in Brooklyn, and he started selling candy around the neighborhood. It was while at this store he allegedly invented a log of chocolate candy wrapped in wax paper called a Tootsie Roll for the price of one penny. Um, The exact date of this is debated pretty seriously, actually. But uh, sometime between 1896 or 1907-ish, the official website says 1896, but some of the official documents don't really back that up. Yeah, more on that in a minute. Yes, um... But this candy was innovative in two main ways. While it had chocolatey flavor, it didn't melt. And these candies were one of the first to be individually wrapped. This was a big deal because prior to widespread access to refrigeration or any access to refrigeration and AC systems, candy makers struggled to keep chocolate from melting, necessitating them to turn to other confections like marshmallows, especially in the summer. Uh, So yeah, the Tootsie Roll stood out as a summer chocolate candy option. Mm Mm-hmm. The 1907 patent for the Tootsie Roll describes how the, quote, peculiar mellow consistency (laughs) is different from most other pulled candies and how it's achieved by baking it at a lower temperature for two hours. This process helped the candy keep shape and not melt. Once baked, it would be molded and wrapped, and there you go. As far as the name, story goes that Hirschfeld arrived at it pretty quickly. Uh, His five-year-old daughter, Clara's nickname was Tootsie. Hirschfeld has several other patents for things like bonbon dipping machine, a machine for putting confections into molds, and a fork for dipping bonbons, a very specialized fork, to name Hmm. a few. This was when the U.S. was in the midst of a candy-making boom that really depended on volume, which means that having the right machine could really make or break a candy maker. Yeah. People seemed immediately to take to Tootsie Rolls, in part because... It was the only chocolate-like option available in the summer, often, and also because it was cheap. 
And to meet this demand, Hirschfeld merged with Stern and Salberg Company, a company that went public in 1922 as the Sweets Company of America. The marketing push for Tootsie Rolls really took off in 1909. One of these ads read, the most inimitable but the most imitated candy in years. And they were serious about that patent. That same ad had at the bottom, uh, quote, the process for making chocolate Tootsie Rolls is patented. We have $50,000 laid aside to protect our rights. And for the record, that's over a, easily over a million bucks in today's money. So you, you think that was true? I, that, I mean, did they have to back that up? <laughs> I don't know, but I love it. Like, what a good threat. I should start having something like that. (laughs) (laughs) We have $50,000 laid aside to protect our rights. (laughs) Okay, Tootsie Roll. Yeah. All right. Um, By 1913, Hirschfeld was quite rich with 700 million Tootsie Rolls sold. He was featured in an article about the rags to riches immigrant story of himself and three other men who made it big, all of whom met in a steerage cabin on the steamship Neckar as it made its way to New York. Um, So it was a whole like piece on the four of them and what they all got up to. Mm -hmm. Um, Some research suggests that Hirschfeld had been working with Stern and Salberg company prior to the Tootsie Roll on a gelatin-based confection called Bromangelon or Bromangelon which apparently means angel's food, which is hilarious to me because that's not what it sounds like. No, no. I really, bro, bromangelin <laughs> sounds like an insult that I would use mm. for, I don't know. Sounds to me like a protein powder, <laughs> which I guess is close-ish. Yeah, bro <laughs> and man in a word. I don't know. Anyway, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, th- this was a uh, powdered flavored gelatin, like Jell-O, and came in lemon, orange, raspberry, strawberry, cherry, and chocolate. Apparently, it was nationally distributed and pretty well known. Yeah. Um, This also suggests that he may have been working with his company before this Tootsie Roll thing, and that the merging story that we said we told you earlier isn't exactly correct. Even though it is the one that the company officially lists, yeah. Um, There's even evidence that he moved to Manhattan specifically to work for them back in the 1890s and never even owned a candy shop in Brooklyn, though he did live there briefly. And rather than merge with their company, um, it seems he may have worked his way up through the ranks there. And to add to the confusion, the powdered gelatin was advertised with a mischievous little girl called Tattling Tootsie. Yeah, there was a booklet that came out um, uh, promoting the stuff and featuring this character sometime after 1906, and it included the following poem. Um... (laughs) I never tell lies, said mother's child, but the other night my pa was wild, for dinner was late, and he scolded like fun, but he smiled when ma brought him bromangelin. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been that nervous before as a poem was unfolding. <laughs> I, really, I really didn't know where it was going. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Poems about, I guess, uh, angry dads and potential domestic abuse that turn out okay because of a Jell-O competitor. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. Unsettling. (laughs) Put me on edge. (laughs) It all turned out okay. (laughs) 
He scolded like fun. Yeesh. Not sure what that means. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Hirschfeld left or perhaps was forced out of the Sweets Company of America in 1920 to start the Mel's Candy Corporation. 1921 was an extremely difficult year for him. His wife was ill and in a sanatorium, and he himself was dealing with a stomach disease. He shot and killed himself at the beginning of 1922. He left a note for his attorney that read, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Mel's went bankrupt in 1924. Yeah, um, Hirschfeld never rose above the rank of vice president of the Sweets Company of America, And the theory goes that maybe he wasn't nearly as good at business as he was at inventing stuff, and so he got pushed out after his original bosses retired. Um, There are a couple food historians who have dug all up into this. Um, Shout out to the blog Candy Professor. Really good. Really good research and information there. Yes. Such great sleuthing, and I love how there was, like, interaction where someone else who was looking into the tootsie roll wrote in. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Very much informed a lot of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, a family by the name of Rubin became majority shareholders in the Sweets Company of America in the 1930s, and then the family patriarch became the president of the company. By the 1970s, his daughter Ellen and her husband Marvin Gordon took over. Um, Ellen was the second ever woman president of a publicly traded company. Oh. Uh In 1931, the Tootsie Pop debuted, and it was a popular candy choice for Americans struggling during the Great Depression. A Captain Tootsie comic strip ran from 1943 to 1953, and it involves a uh, buffer Captain America-type-looking fellow beating up a bear, among other things. Okay. Um, Sure. (laughs) Bears, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Real danger to Tootsie Rolls, I hear. Um... And like so many foods we talk about, World War II was a major turning point for the Tootsie Roll. The company making the candy essentially received a government contract to keep making them, while many other candy manufacturers were forced to shut down. This is because they were seen as quick energy, as a quick energy source, and they had that long shelf life to the point that they were included in army rations. This helped really foster an American fondness for Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it helped that in the in the 1950s, they, they hopped on the television marketing trend pretty early. They were um, sponsoring kids programming by 1952. And uh, Tootsie Rolls were integral for American Marines fighting in the Korean War as well. Soldiers stationed at Chongjin Mountain Reservoir were in a dark spot, perhaps goes doesn't need to be said, but uh, facing cold weather, a high number of enemies, and low and dwindling levels of supplies. They were desperately waiting for a supply drop of Tootsie Rolls, which was a code name they used for supplies in general, or perhaps <laughs> specifically ammo. Huh. Um, yeah. To their shock, the supply drop turned out to actually be Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> uh, the operator who received the urgent call may not have had the code name sheet and oh, was wow. just like Tootsie okay, Rolls. Okay, sure. Uh, the Tootsie Rolls froze, but the soldiers figured out that by warming them up uh, to make them pliant, they could not only eat them, but they could use them to repair their equipment. This made it possible for them to escape their enemies and survive. Um, what? And, yeah. And there, I, I believe you can read accounts from soldiers who like, have such a fondness for these Tootsie Rolls. Like, they got us out of there, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And they got celebrities. They got some celebrities who were big fans, too. Frank Sinatra reportedly required Tootsie Rolls to be stocked backstage or in hotel rooms while touring. Um, and maybe was buried with some in his coffin? That's the rumor. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He definitely did an ad for them in 1942. And uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis was also a fan, keeping a bowl in her office during her time at Doubleday, uh, which was a publishing company in New York because they served as a, quote, good icebreaker. Mm-hmm. And this, friends, is my Seinfeld reference of the episode because I did never, I never understood that joke. There's a whole episode <laughs> Where Elaine is trying to get a job at Doubleday and she's told like she has no grace or whatever, but then she's like, didn't get the interview, whatever's getting to leave, puts on a like kerchief and big sunglasses, turns around and they're like, Jackie Onassis. And I didn't get it. (laughs) I'm really simplifying what happened here, but uh, now I understand. She got the job. Oh, hey, go <laughs> they were big. They were big Jackie Onassis fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then another big moment in advertisement history. In 1970, the famous and iconic ad featuring Mr. Owl and the question, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop debuted? Uh, and yes, Mr. Owl now has a Twitter account. I don't understand that. (laughs) I'm telling you. (laughs) Might be real, (laughs) Horn. Until you you prove otherwise to zero industries. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Starting in 1972, the company began acquiring other classic candy brands, starting with Dots and Crows. They would continue buying up brands through the early 2000s. And um, with their acquisition of Charms and Blow Pops in 1988, they became the largest producer of lollipops in the world. Wow. (laughs) Um, The 69 Boys released their song Tootsie Roll in 1994. (laughs) And I tell you, you really never can say where an episode is going to (laughs) go. Oh. (laughs) The song is still well-loved. Sure. Uh, Yeah, classic. I'm not entirely sure I've heard it, but... Oh, I promise you have. Okay. It was a whole dance, I understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. In 1996, Tootsie Roll industry CEO Melvin Gordon told Associated Press, nothing can happen to a Tootsie Roll. We have some that were made in 1938 that we still eat. If you can't bite it when it's that old, you certainly can lick it. (laughs) Apparently, this was a favorite joke of his about, like, having just these old ones around and they're still good. Um, And, uh, but yeah, that, that was the 100th anniversary of the candy, according to company lore. Um, and so I, I think that they were making, like, th- there was a couple of interviews that came out that year, and I think they were making, like, a serious exception <laughs> to their mm. to their normal no-interviews thing. Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Um, that does feel like a very grandfather or grandmother thing to do, of, like, I've had this candy since mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever year. It's still good. <laughs> okay. Um Leo Hirschfeld was inducted into the Candy Hall of Fame in 2007. Oh, Tootsie Roll Industries sued Roll a Shoe in 2011 over their footsie roll rollable shoes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, footsie roll. That's uh-huh. that's delightful. I mean, copyright infringement, perhaps, but delightful copyright infringement. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, very interesting story that, again, I was not expecting to encounter. A class action lawsuit filed in 2019 claimed that Tootsie Roll Industries had been using trans fats in their products and not being honest about it. And uh, just this year, 2021, um, during that whole stock market, hedge fund, GameStop, Reddit, day trading madness, which is a chain of nouns that I never thought (laughs) I would have reason (laughs) to say and to have make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, during all of that, Tootsie Roll Industries stock got wrapped up in the whole thing. And um, it doubled basically overnight from its steady like 30 bucks a share to a record high of uh, $58.98. And that placed the company at a net worth of some $4 billion um, and made its CEO, the aforementioned Ellen Gordon, a multi-billionaire. Um, she is 89 years old and still running the company. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh. No. No, I, li- I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody comes in and is like, well, there's something strange happening on the internet, and now <laughs> our stock is double. It's kind of a meme thing, you know? I- like, uh. <laughs> 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 You're just telling me I have a lot more money now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's that. because of something called Reddit. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been an interesting one. Um, yeah. Yes. Next time you have a Tootsie Roll, listeners, take a minute. Yeah, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rich and bizarre and mysterious history. Yes, all wrapped up into this very mysterious candy, <laughs> Tootsie Roll Industries. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what we have to say on Tootsie Rolls for now. It is. Uh, We do have some listener mail for you, though. We do. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? 
With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Father's Day is coming. A day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us. To crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all-natural bitters, so Dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. (laughs) I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. I don't know the song, so I can't do it. No, that's okay. It's probably for the best. (laughs) Probably for the best. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> Sorry, but absolutely. <laughs> no offense taken. <laughs> um, okay, so so many of you have written in about Fallout, and thank you. It's yes. awesome. <laughs> yes. So, Josh wrote, as a scout master for a Scouts BSA troop in Michigan, we faced some pretty big challenges at the beginning of COVID. The National and Regional Boy Scouts of America organizations halted all in-person meetings and outdoor activities. Working with our scouts, we pivoted our programming to weekly Zoom WebEx meetings featuring games or covering outdoor and leadership skills. Both parents and scouts quickly got Zoom fatigue as they were spending school, work, and scouting time on the computer. Reaching into our bag of programming tricks, I modified our Cast Iron Chef IRL event plan into a remote program. Similar to the Iron Chef program, the in-person version gave scout patrols a mystery ingredient during campout. 
Using cooking tools in their patrol box and selecting items from a pantry of common kitchen ingredients that the adults brought, the scouts would have to make a dish or dishes highlighting the mystery ingredient. Hmm. My objectives for the remote mission were create a joint experience that scouts could share and enjoy as a group remotely, continue to build important skills like cooking, promote creativity, make scouts, siblings, and parents laugh. Hmm. Trying to make the best of the situation, I created an apocalypse theme for the event. I gathered the mystery ingredient and generated a pamphlet providing the backstory and rules for the competition. I incorporated most of my references from Fallout and Mad Max, but also included several other movies, games, TV shows, and pop culture references. I also went and 3D printed Pip-Boy-themed trophies for the winners (laughs) of the different categories. (laughs) Using my amateur cosplay skills, I scavenged or created end-of-the-world accoutrement for my Scoutmaster uniform and set up a table at the foot of my driveway to hand off the packages. While setting up, I received a few quizzical looks from neighbors driving by. I got a double take from one of our small town's police officers <laughs> as they made one of their periodic neighborhood drive throughs Another officer drove by a few minutes later to check out the spectacle, probably broadcast on their radio. The scouts and parents were delighted to see the mystery ingredient from the end times. Twinkies! <laughs> the scouts made their creations over the weekend and then presented to the troop at the weekly Zoom meeting. We saw a wide variety of creations made from this versatile ingredient. Creations included a tower of Twinkies with a fruit jam drizzle, strawberry and cream cake, a pudding named Toxic Waste, a Twinkie <laughs> breakfast sandwich, a savory stew made with Twinkies, a roadkill-themed dessert, Twinkie s'mores, and a hot dog Twinkie. <laughs> Several scouts took it up a notch by writing elaborate backstories, including a tragic tale of Twinkie the Kid and his demise. The result was a banana and Twinkie cake. Another scout created a video showing how they hunted, killed, and cleaned and roasted a wild Twinkie. (laughs) Everyone had a great time and lots of laughs from the event. Oh, that's so fun. That's wonderful. So fun, so creative. Uh, yeah, I wrote back and said, I would have loved this as a kid, but who am I kidding? I would love this now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I this is a fantastic, uh, event, and I bet that a lot of listeners listening are going to get some ideas. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh. Do something similar. And the, he sent pictures in the PDF, and also, like, the adult had kind of running jokes going on for, uh, their own Twinkie <laughs> creations, <laughs> and they were all excellent. It looked like such a fun time. Yes. Yes. Jesse wrote, When I was in college in Idaho, Fallout 2 was due to be released, and they were having a release party in California. A friend and I liked the first game so much that we drove to California to go to the release party. At the release party, they gave away a bunch of swag, and among that was an iguana in a can, which was basically a Campbell's soup can-sized aluminum can with a pop top with a stuffed iguana inside. We picked the game up and played the entire drive back, taking turns driving um, on a laptop that was hooked up to the car charger. Fast forward to maybe 20 plus years later, and I noticed it on a shelf in my office unopened. On a lark, I decided to see if I could sell it and listed it on eBay. A thousand dollars later, it was shipping out. So if anyone else happened to have gone to that party and has an unopened can, there's quite a bit of potential to make some money on that thing. Love the podcast. My cousin wrote in about a Philadelphia cheese on pizza in Albania that was in your ginger episode. So if you can, give a shout out to Jolene. Shout out Jolene. Jolene. (laughs) Hi. Thank you. Hello. Hello. 
Yes. A fellow person with this popular song has their name in it. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I love this. I, I This is such a blast from the past for me because I totally forgot about like going to release parties for games. And yeah. I, I too had a friend. I didn't have this setup, but she had a setup where you could play games in the car. <laughs> um, and I also have a bunch of um, nerd stuff that I've accumulated that I don't think I would ever part ways with. But I do occasionally look at it, and I'm like, I wonder if these light up Lord of the Rings goblets actually are worth anything. Oh, <laughs> mm, I got you know. four of them. <laughs> <laughs> they light up blue and red. <laughs> was that was that what did we have one of those in a promotional photo at some point? I I feel like did you bring it into work? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I bought it to G and D once. I don't know that we actually used them, but I did bring them. <laughs> Um, yes. So thanks to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. And we are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.